live coverage from ABC News. Crisis in Ukraine. From Warsaw, Poland, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. Good afternoon from Warsaw, where Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin spent the day with U.S. troops and the Polish military in a show of solidarity with a key NATO ally amid a possible Russian invasion next door in Ukraine that he said could come at any time. Austin's visit was part of a concerted U.S. effort today to try to stop Russia. And we're about to hear from President Biden, who was on the phone this afternoon with allies. ABC's Karen Travers now at the White House. Karen. Aaron, the president spent about 45 minutes on the phone with European leaders and the prime minister of Canada. According to the White House, who just put out a readout, they said that the leaders altogether expressed deep concern over Russia's continued buildup of forces on the Ukraine border. The leaders reiterated strong support for Ukraine's sovereignty and the importance of economic assistance to Ukraine. This meeting was meant to get allies all together, but it's going to continue because the White House says there will be a continuing pursuit of diplomacy to try and de escalate the tensions, but they're all in agreement that they will impose swift, coordinated economic costs on Russia should it escalate this situation further. Those economic costs in the form of severe sanctions, Aaron, which the White House has not yet revealed. They're trying to keep that very close to the vest right now to not give anything up to Vladimir Putin, and they wait and see what his next move might be. ABC's Karen Travers with us from her post at the White House. We're about to hear from President Biden to give us more about his conversations with American allies today. Russia-controlled separatists in eastern Ukraine called today for a mass evacuation, claiming Ukraine was about to attack them. And U.S. officials immediately knocked it down, but it was a worrying development as Russia, the U.S. believes, is searching for any excuse, any pretext to move forward with an invasion with what they believe to be now nearly 200 personnel, including separatist forces, in or near the border with Ukraine. President Biden spending the day with allies at the White House. Uh, Karen, this has been a nonstop effort for the Biden administration. It has been, you know, a big flurry of diplomatic outreach. Some might say at the 11th hour, because remember, the president yesterday said that his sense is that a Russian invasion of Ukraine is going to happen in the next several days. So we have seen senior officials in Europe having meetings with European allies uh, and their counterparts there. I think if ultimately the president, what he said yesterday, bears for and Russia does invade Ukraine, not for a lack of trying by the Biden administration to continue on what the president says is that potential diplomatic path. The other thing that the administration keeps warning about is this potential of false flag operations. The president said yesterday that the administration believes Russia will or is engaged in an operation like that to have an excuse, a pretext to invade Ukraine. But the president was very clear yesterday. Every indication the United States has is that Russia is prepared to go into Ukraine and that could be coming at any moment. And and we keep hearing that repeatedly from U.S. officials that this, they think, is uh, imminent, possibly. Mm -hmm. We heard today here in Poland from the, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, that Vladimir Putin has all the forces he needs to attack at any moment and only he really knows the answer, although he says there still is a path uh, to diplomacy. President Biden is now moving toward the podium, making remarks at the White House. Vital calls, as I've been making for some months now, two vital calls that uh, on the situation in Russia and Ukraine. 
The first was to a bipartisan group of members of Congress who are currently representing the United States, along with Vice President Harris at the Munich uh, Security Conference. The second was the latest in a series of calls over the past many months with the heads of state of our NATO allies and our, the European Union to bring them up to date on what the United States thinks is the current state of affairs and what's likely to happen in Ukraine in the coming days to ensure that we continue to remain in lockstep, that is, the European Union and NATO. Despite Russia's efforts to divide us at home and abroad, I can affirm that has not happened. The overwhelming message of both, on both calls was one of unity, determination, and resolve. I shared with all of those on the calls what we know about a rapidly escalating crisis in Ukraine. Over the last few days, we've seen reports of a major uptick in violations of the ceasefire by Russian-backed fighters attempting to provoke Ukraine in the Donbass. For example, a shelling of a Ukrainian kindergarten yesterday which Russia has falsely asserted was carried out by Ukraine. We also uh, continue to see more and more disinformation being pushed out by, to the Russian public, including Russian-backed separatists, claiming that Ukraine is planning to launch a massive offensive attack in the Donbass. Well, look, there is simply no evidence of these assertions, and it defies, defies basic logic to believe the Ukrainians would choose this moment with well over 150,000 troops arrayed on its borders to escalate a year-long conflict. Russia's state media also continues to make phony allegations of a genocide taking place in the Donbass and push fabricated claims warning about Ukraine's attack on Russia without any evidence. That's just what I'm sure Ukraine's thinking of doing, attacking Russia. All of these are consistent with the playbook the Russians have used before to set up a false justification to act against Ukraine. This is also in line with the pretext scenarios that the United States and our allies and partners have been warning about for weeks. Throughout these tense moments, the Ukrainian forces have shown great judgment and, I might add, restraint. They refuse to allow the Russians to bait them into war. But the fact remains, Russian troops currently have Ukraine surrounded from Belarus along the Russian border and with Ukraine to the Black Sea in the south and all of its border. You know, look, we have reason to believe the Russian forces are planning to uh, and intend to attack Ukraine in the coming week, in the coming days. We believe that they will target Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, a city of 2.8 million innocent people. We're calling out Russia's plans loudly and repeatedly, not because we want a conflict, but because we're doing everything in our power to remove any reason that Russia may give to justify invading Ukraine and prevent them from moving. Make no mistake, if Russia pursues its plans, it will be responsible for a ca catastrophic and needless war of choice. The United States and our allies are prepared to defend every inch of NATO territory from any threat to our collective security as well. We also will not send troops in to fight in Ukraine, but we will continue to support the Ukrainian people. This past year, the United States provided a record amount of security assistance to Ukraine to bolster its defensive, $650 million from javelin missiles to ammunition. We also previously provided 
$500 million in Ukraine and humanitarian aid and economic support for Ukraine. And early this week, we also announced an additional sovereign loan guarantee of up to $1 billion to strengthen Ukraine's economic resilience. But the bottom line is this. The United States and our allies and partners will support the Ukrainian people. We will hold Russia accountable for its actions. The West is united and resolved. We're ready to impose severe sanctions on Russia if it further invades Ukraine. But I say again, Russia can still choose diplomacy. It is not too late to de-escalate and return to the negotiating table. Last night, Russia agreed that Secretary of State Blinken and Foreign Minister Lavrov should meet on, Fe on February 24th, February 24th in Europe. But if Russia takes military action before that date, we'll be clear that they have slammed the door shut on diplomacy. They will, have they will have chosen a war, and they will pay a steep price for doing so, not only from the sanctions that we and our allies will impose on Russia, but the more outrage the rest of the world will visit upon them. You know, there are many issues that divide our nation and our world, but standing up to Russian aggression is not one of them. The American people are united. Europe is united. The transatlantic community is united. Our political parties in this country are united. The entire free world is united. Russia has a choice between war and all the suffering it will bring or diplomacy that will make a future safer for everyone. Now, I'm happy to take a few questions. Uh, Nancy from Bloomberg. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Do you think that it is wise for President Zelensky to leave Ukraine if an invasion is as imminent as the U.S. says it is? That's a judgment for him to make and a determination as to whether or not I've spoken with Zelensky a dozen times, maybe more, I don't know. And, uh, and uh, it's uh, in, in the pursuit of a, di a diplomatic solution, uh, it may not be, fall it may, may be the wise choice, but it's his decision. And do you have any indication about whether President Putin has made a decision on whether to invade? Do you feel confident that he, that he hasn't made that decision already? As of this moment, I'm convinced he's made the decision. We have reason to believe that. There seems to be a unanimity of spirit to do between the United States and Europe to do some sanctions, the comprehensive sanctions. But are, is everyone on board with the exact same sanctions that you want to do? Uh, yes. Um, there will be some slight differences, but none. There will be more add-ons than subtractions. And, and President Putin is going to oversee some nuclear drills this weekend. How do you see that happening? What, what's your reaction to that, sir? Thank you. Well, um, I don't think he is remotely contemplating nuclear, using nuclear weapons. But I do think it's, uh, I think he is um, focused on trying to convince the world that he has uh, the ability to change the dynamics uh, in Europe in a way that he cannot. Um, but I, I don't. Uh, how much of it is a uh, cover for just saying we're just doing exercises and, and there's more than that? I, I just can't. It's hard to read his mind. Mr. 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 President, to be clear, to 
to be clear, you to be clear, you are convinced that you are convinced that President Putin is going to invade Ukraine. Is that what you just said a few moments yes, ago? Yes, I did. Yes. So is diplomacy off the table then? No. All, until he does, diplomacy is always a possibility. What reason do you have to believe he's considering that option at all? We have a significant intelligence capability. Thank you very Thank much. You guys. Thank, Thank you guys. Thank you. Jack Riccardi, we just had a speech from President Biden at the White House. And, uh, of course, throughout the day, throughout the afternoon, you've been hearing all of this uh, very dramatic a uh, very uh, sort of cliffhanger talk about more troops, over 150,000 Russian troops uh, on the border with Ukraine. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts about all this as you watch all this uh, unfolding? You know, it has a very um, it has a very uh, old school feel to it, right? I mean, this looks like old time warfare uh, when they talk about the number of troops and, and artillery units and shelling of villages. But you know what this really is to me? And this is the part I don't hear anybody talking about. Um, I, I'm thinking more about how you and I are going to experience this than what's going to happen in Ukraine. And I don't mean to sound insensitive when I say that. It's not that I, not that I don't care about people and what happens to them. Um, it, it, it looks like there could be some real peril. There could be some real suffering if this all actually happens on the ground as kinetic warfare. But there's going to be a cyber war here. We're about to see, I think, unless it gets headed off or it's a head fake by Putin, and it may be, but I think we're about to see pretty severe cyber warfare. And we're about to find out just how well prepared we are for that. And that's how you and I will experience what's maybe going to go down in the coming hours or days or weeks uh, over there because i i think that's that's where the rubber will meet the road i mean the president has already said well we're not going to put troops in ukraine obviously we're not and w- w- this is not going to menace any of the territories of the nato nations and i believe that's probably true i don't think any of the nato nations are going to lose an inch of soil uh, but what if there is a massive coordinated cyber attack on NATO countries, on energy grids, on this country, on our commerce? And then the other thing that's happening is energy prices. Now, gas prices in this country are already uh, in the 3 to $4 a gallon range. They're over $3 in most of San Antonio. Uh, one energy expert was saying um, in the Wall Street Journal uh, that we could see $5 a gallon gas as soon as oil prices hit triple digits and that he could see per gallon prices as high as six or seven dollars. Russia supplies around 15 percent of worldwide demand. If they disrupt their supply or their supplies are disrupted, uh, that tightens an already tight international oil market. I noticed that there was a letter that went out to the president uh, last night from several Republican senators asking him to boost uh, natural gas production in this country, uh, do it immediately, because, again, that's going to be pinched, that's going to be affected by these rising tensions. So this is where you and I are going to experience this. Uh, Potential disruption of our cyber economy potential destruction of grids and systems, whether it's energy, education, communication, and um, 
gas prices and natural gas prices that will be crippling. And any thoughts anybody has about a recovery uh, will come to a halt. And uh, the sense that so many people already have that the economy is on the wrong path, things are going the wrong direction, that will be enhanced. I also get a very contrived feeling about this, I have to tell you. Uh, I, I can't help but think Jake Sullivan is the president's national security advisor. Jake Sullivan is deep state. Jake Sullivan is prominent in the Durham report. Jake Sullivan is always there. He's like he's like the guy that shows up in all the photographs of everything that's gone down with the deep state in the last several years. We know about the very complicated relationship between Biden, the Biden family, Ukraine, the DNC, and Jake Sullivan is is sort of in all those photographs, figuratively speaking. So at a time when the deep state is showing its, uh, you know, is having its presence, is having its moment, uh, it's also a time when President Biden politically, and I hate to bring this up, but I think, you know, you're thinking it, I know you are, and I'm thinking it, he needs something that makes him look like he's good at this job, he's effective. Now, he may not change your mind, but there are people out there whose minds, whose perceptions of his presidency could be changed overnight if they think or they are told, and they will be told, that he has handled this masterfully or he has been tough or he has headed off war. So those are some of the things I'm kind of thinking about here this afternoon. I I realize there could be a real old-fashioned ground war in Europe like we haven't seen in many decades. But I also think there's some very 21st century stuff uh, going on. And all through this, you've probably asked yourself, what is this about in terms of America? And what are my interests? What are our interests in this? Why are we running point on the defense of Ukraine? We're really not the country that has the most at stake here. Actually, the country that has the most at stake is Germany, to be truthful. Um, Why are we running point on this? I think it's good to wonder about that. Even as you, you know, it's, it's fine to say, well, I like that he said this or I like that he's doing that. That's okay. We can do that. But in the big picture, why are we playing the role we're playing? Why are we, why are we running the show here? Joining us now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line is the editor of ForeignDeskNews.com, Lisa Daftari. Lisa, did you happen to see or hear the president this afternoon? I did. Well, at least the, the, the last part of it, which I think was most important. Um, he says that he is uh, convinced that the invasion will happen. Um, and yet people are still talking about an off-ramp to diplomacy or a choice that can still be made. Mm-hmm. Help us understand, it, why would Vladimir Putin put 190,000 troops, almost half of his military, in position if he wasn't going to do what he looks like he's going to do? This is also confusing. I mean, this doesn't follow the the uh, the natural or the, the logistical course of foreign policy by any means. I mean, why would our president come to the podium and say, I'm convinced? Well, shoot, if Putin wasn't convinced, I think now he has to man up and do it anyway. <laughs> he can't, you know, not... I did wonder him. about that, too. Yeah, I, I wondered about that, too. It seems like an <laughs> odd way to dissuade him from doing something. Right. It's like It's yeah. like yelling jump at the person on the ledge of the building, right? Yes, exactly right. Um, This is all very interesting, right? So this is all looked like it was leading up to an invasion anyway. And we saw the White House kind of teeter between, no, 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 we're pushing diplomacy. This is not going to happen to, oh, my God, 
this is going to happen and we don't even know how to stop this guy. We're on a crash course to, you know, finding a way to stop him. Um, and now the moment has arrived. So I think this is a very important statement that President Biden did. I think that he almost is, um, he, he, he's kind of cutting the, 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 the welcome ribbon and saying, all right, we knew this was going to happen and here's the moment. We'll, we'll call it for you. Um, and announce, making this announcement about the confirmation of this happening. So, uh, you know, with with no disrespect to the people of Ukraine, because this would be a horrible uh, bloodbath if it happened. But um, how I, I I wonder why we're not talking more about how the West is going to experience both potential cyber attacks and potential six dollar mm-hmm. a gallon gasoline. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of ramifications that are going to affect us here in the West. We we did an article at the Foreign Desk a couple of weeks ago about why this Ukraine Russia um, conflict should matter to us here in the United States, and it does mention all of, all of the things you you just mentioned as well. Um, look, this is this is a threat. This is a global threat, and I think that we've been long ignoring you know, our major, I don't want to say adversaries, but those who are vying for a position to not only be global powers, but to extend their influence globally. And that could be in terms of territory, in terms of, um, you know, influence, and in terms of um, exporting whatever it is that they do export. In the case of Russia, um, it's their, their cyber terrorism. And their ability to reach us here, if we go back to just a, a few years ago, they were trying to attack a um, accounting firm in the Ukraine, and they were able to get FedEx, the, the, the company, FedEx, the American company FedEx here in the United States. So it's not far or it's not out of reach to say that mm-hmm. um, they would do the same thing now. And likewise, we're already seeing the markets as well as gasoline uh, prices and, uh, you know, stocks responding very, very um, quickly in the knee-jerk way to uh, any announcement that's made about this conflict. Yeah, I mean, I I think even the president's remark, uh, he said something in the speech to the effect of many issues divide us in this world, but standing up to Russian aggression is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would love to believe that is true, but... Uh, this is a moment where Western governments are at war with their own people over things like masks and vaccines. So it's richly ironic to hear leaders uh-huh. now saying we're all united about this. Everybody's going to pull together on this. And look, I'm not minimizing Russia as a as a threat. Uh, maybe we should have listened to Mitt Romney on that a little bit ten years ago. But um, this is not a moment, in fact, where there's the kind of unity he's describing. And 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 also, if there really was. Wouldn't Germany and NATO be the leading? Wouldn't they be running point on this? Mm-hmm. Well, that is, ideally they would, but it's not something that that this this White House, this administration, would ever hold them to, and they know that. And that's exactly you point out such an important part of all of this in terms of foreign policy and why it's so important. Who is in the White House in terms of global stability? Um, you know, like you said, I don't I don't think that Democrat. Or Republican lawmakers would ever want, you know, um, Russia to, to run laps around us, or the Iranian regime to take advantage of us and have a nuclear weapon, or for North Korea to keep testing their missiles. But they only believe that, and I'm talking about the Democrats, particularly the ones that have gone farther to the left uh, in this administration and under President Obama. 
the message that comes from the White House, not only at a moment like this, but obviously throughout time, and even as these candidates are campaigning, our enemies are listening. And it, it, it's only on that one yard line when we get to the point where Russia is about to invade the Ukraine, where we're all united on this. This is a bipartisan issue. Well, it hasn't been. And there are so many issues that should be bipartisan issue, like cybersecurity, like stopping the Iranian regime, like supporting Israel in the Middle East, like putting our support behind the Abraham Accords. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And obviously stopping a rogue um, leader um, from invading a country that we believe we, we will support and try to prevent is something that is, you know, you don't just stop it at that moment. The posturing and the positioning of the White House throughout time will indicate whether a leader wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to amass just under 200,000 troops on the border of the country I want to invade. Obviously something to keep watching and waiting on and following at ForeignDeskNews.com, which you can do, Lisa Daftari, ForeignDeskNews.com. Lisa, thank you for the time. We really appreciate it on short notice this afternoon. We have reason to believe the Russian forces are planning to uh, and intend to attack Ukraine in the coming week, in the coming days. We believe that they will target Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, a city of 2.8 million innocent people. We're calling out Russia's plans loudly and repeatedly, not because we want a conflict, but because we're doing everything in our power to remove any reason that Russia may give to justify invading Ukraine and prevent them from moving. All right, so the president says we've got to talk openly about this. It's the only chance of them not actually doing it. But when pressed by reporters, he said, I think they've already decided to do it. Uh, I want to get your thoughts about this uh, whole Russia-Ukraine standoff or whatever this is. Is there any way that Vladimir Putin puts this whole thing together and then doesn't do it, doesn't you know pull the trigger on it? I, I mean, it's hard to imagine, right? Uh, but this is a, a guy who thinks in grandiose ways. He's not like American politicians. I think it's a mistake to think of him that way. You know, you may want to picture him as being sort of like the your least favorite or most hated American politician, but th- these guys like Xi in China and Putin in Russia, uh, they're thinking big picture, long term. They don't have terms, right? They can... They can, they can plan and strategize long term. They don't have, uh, political, uh, opponents and minority parties dogging them. They don't have any free media questioning, scrutinizing, fact checking. And they're both running countries that are ostensibly modern states, but really are both trying to rebuild empires. You know, China believes it's the Middle Kingdom, which it's believed since its dynastic days. And Russia, Putin is trying to put the empire, the Soviet empire, back together again. And for a lot of Russians, and frankly, for a lot of Ukrainians, uh, all they remember, most of what they remember, is that they were part of the Soviet Union or the Russian Federation. And they, they, there is a great deal more shared there than, than we realize. So it's not like he's, it's not like he's talking about invading France. Um, but your thoughts about all that? 210-599-5555. And then the Ottawa police have begun moving on the Freedom Convoy. They're uh, sweeping through downtown Ottawa today, right now, in fact, and operating uh, and arresting uh, truckers and uh, other uh, activists in this movement. 
Uh, and according to American reporters like Matt Finn of Fox News Channel, they are also shutting down the reporting of it. They're telling cameras and reporters that if they don't back off and stay away and point their cameras somewhere else, they too uh, will be arrested. So all of this is going on, and as I said to Lisa Daftari, I think it's a weird moment because leaders of this country and leaders of the NATO countries, and, and certainly I'm sure Trudeau and Canada, right now they all want to say we're all united, but they have done so much to sow and spur disunity that it's it's not true. It's not true. They may think, well, but now certainly everybody will see that this Ukraine thing is very serious, but, but th- th- these countries are not in the normal position or, or disposition they would be in, where you'd say, yeah, okay, we're all serious. We're all on board with stopping the Russians. 210-599-5555. Charles is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Charles, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Please hear me out. Uh, let me just say this. about What is the difference between what's going on in Canada and what's going on in Ukraine? And if you look at it, I know that's a weird parody to use. But look at what Justin Trudeau, he's taking the rights from those truckers. And as far as Putin is concerned, that used to be Russia. So, you know, what? Uh, I think what he doesn't like is there's a lot of corruption there. And what happens is, I don't know if you heard this, but Nancy Pelosi's son also has some type of job on mm-hmm. a board in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like, just like Hunter Biden does. And Putin sees that. He sees the corruption. He's going to say... Putin's the type of no. person. I, 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 Putin's I'm not a one. Putin's not a reformer, Charles. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't no, go no, that no, far. No. I mean, no, the, the, no, no, he no, may no, want no. to substitute his corruption for somebody else's, that's but he's not I'm a reformer. Saying. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. He wants to substitute his for theirs. In other words, so I, I, when I hear Biden and everything going on, I think he's just. It, it, it's there's more to it than meets the eye. And well, I mean, he needs her. a W right now. You know, he, he and his administration and his party need something. They're heading into a bloodbath in the midterms. There were some numbers that came out today that show it's continuing to look very bad for them. But, but I also think something else is going on, which is that normally, even with all that, uh, no matter how unpopular Jimmy Carter was, if this had happened under Jimmy Carter's presidency, the country would have united and said, well, yes, of course, we're not going to let this. But, but right now, this is government versus its own people as you pointed out, in Canada, here in this country, and in Europe. And so I don't know that these governments speak for united populations like they claim that they do. I don't think they do, but thank you, Jack, and I appreciate it. You have a great Yeah, day. no, I appreciate the call, Charles. Thank you. 210-599-5555. Richard's on KTSA. Hi, Richard. Hey, Jack. How's it going? Good. What do you think about all this? Good, good, good. Yeah, just to, uh, I just want to echo what you said earlier. Uh, you may recall some years back, Hollywood made a movie called Wag the Dog with Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't help but think of that. And the other thing that a lot of folks seem to forget, that Putin, as you pointed out, he's a product of the Cold War. You know, once KGB, always KGB. And um, his, I think his vision... Is is right along the lines of the Cold War, like you said. Well, so is the, but you know what? The deep state is also a product of the Cold War, Richard. In other words, the people that make all the foreign policies uh, in the Republican and Democratic parties in this country are just as ardent Cold Warriors as Vladimir Putin is. Uh, Peace is not good business for them. War is good business for them. He doesn't try to hide. I think he's he's pretty upfront about it. And uh, as far as as far as the Ukraine goes, uh, it's not a member of NATO and. other than fulfilling our, I guess, our obligations 
as far as NATO goes, I don't. I really don't think we should get go, uh, be getting too excited about well, it. Well, here's where it gets, but here's where that gets complicated. If it turns into cyber warfare, it will involve NATO countries and our country and the the economies oh, yeah. of these countries. And so that's that's what they're going to say. They're yeah, they're 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 not expecting that NATO territory would be infringed on but if they can crash the french power grid or they can bring down british telecom or they can stop e-commerce in the united states then that's an attack right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah things like that are just totally just like uh chemical biological warfare absolutely once it started i mean boom uh yeah i can that's that's but I'm glad you brought up the Cold Warrior part of this, Richard, because it's a great point, and I appreciate your call. Putin is trying to put the pieces back together again of the of the pre-1989 world. But really, if you think about it, before the Trump presidency, so were the people in both political parties, right? It was always about this new world order. They talked openly and often about it, and that's what it meant. Okay, that's what it meant. So as much as people will, will say, oh, thank God the Cold War is over, I don't know that all of them who are saying that really mean that. Uh, and I know he doesn't mean it. Certainly Putin doesn't mean it. Uh, a woman called our show yesterday and told a horrific story about her 18-year-old son <clears throat> being killed in a uh, head-on accident in which the other driver was uh, operating with a phony paper tag, a tag that had been issued uh, fraudulently uh, by a uh, car dealer. And there's an FBI investigation on this, and it's a bigger problem, uh, not only uh, around Texas, but around the country. So you see these paper tags. When you see one, you, you, you assume, I assume, this is somebody that just bought a car, and they haven't yet received their permanent license plates. Um there are two things going on here. In some cases, the tags are coming from entities that are registered car dealers with the state, but are actually just phony tag factories. And then there's the issue of people simply making tags. And it's, you've seen them, right? You know how easy it would be to make one. They're not, they don't look like they have any kind of, um, complexity to them. It's not like, a counterfeiting a $100 bill or something that would require some know-how or some some uh, sophistication. So we're going to talk about it with someone in law enforcement who's on the front lines of this battle, uh, and that's coming up here in 10 minutes on KTSA. 210-599-5555, and getting your reaction to uh, the president coming on and talking about Russia and Ukraine, and Darren is on KTSA, uh, Jack Riccardi Show. Darren, good afternoon. No, I don't blame you. This whole thing has a very contrived, uh, you know, feel to it. Um, I realize it didn't come out of nowhere. I realize there's a long history there. I, I don't deny that. But um, it, it, it's, it comes, as you point out, it comes along at a very convenient moment 
uh, for these, not only the Biden administration, but these Western governments, right? Yeah. Yeah. Darren, thank you. I appreciate the call. Let me get to Dean here on KTSA. Dean, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, frankly, a dude of a selective service age. You know, the draft isn't a thing anymore. And uh, I'm kind of afraid of another situation with, with Vietnam, where we're fighting a rich man's war, you know? Uh, oh, you mean you think this is going to lead to a? You think this will lead to a ground war involving the United States? Oh, definitely. Uh, since there's not political interest, but kind of a nepotistic interest with uh, Hunter Biden and his laptop that isn't his, but he doesn't <laughs> want the government to have it. It isn't his. I promise yeah. you, it's not his. You know, it's not his. Um, I'm, I'm so tell me how you that. think this would work. Tell me what you think is going to happen here. If you think it's going to involve, uh, you know us going in and actually having U.S. And, and NATO troops in Ukraine, what's going to happen? I definitely think it's, it's, it's going to be the exact same situation as Vietnam. There's going to be, uh, we're going to go in and we're just going to die, frankly. We're going to try to volley in support and all, all this craziness, and uh, people aren't going to want to fight. It's going to be weird. I wonder if you can do another Vietnam. I mean, it's sort of like uh, people always said after 9-11, well, you'll never be able to hijack an airplane with a box cutter again because now the passengers know what you're doing and they won't sit there and take it. The, the United States government got away with Vietnam because the American people had never had something like that foisted on them before. But wouldn't that be harder to do now that we have the, the example of Vietnam? I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that that's definitely a, a good factor in it that people uh, like almost immediately realize what what's going on here, what's really wrong. But if you put it on, under the umbrella of, of NATO and like this this weird alliance thing and how they're trying to force Ukraine to become part of NATO, um, if uh, that is a thing, I, I believe. Well, it does seem weird. It, it always seemed weird to me. Why are we? You know, NATO was founded for a good reason and for good purposes, and I I, I okay. truly believe that after World War II and and given the threat of of Soviet communism trying to gobble up Eastern and Central Europe, but um, with that gone, with that dynamic gone, why would you continue to build that alliance? It's a it's it's a wonder to me that alliance even still exists. But why would you be building and adding countries to it? We were adding countries to it as recently as twenty twenty. Yeah, and and you know not to not to digress too much, but my real question is, can we really beat them? Can the U.S. as it stands with its military power? which is in shambles, can we even stand a chance against Putin, against a, mm -hmm. a superpower of, of immense mm -hmm. magnitude and force? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, that, there's so many ifs and hypotheticals to that, but I keep thinking the more likely battlefield isn't going to be on the ground there, but it's going to be in our um, e-commerce system. It's going to be in our telecommunications system. You know, we haven't yet seen a, a full-on kind of global engagement of things like uh you know disrupting satellite technology disrupting communications disrupting commerce networks and and that could all happen and i think that i i personally with all due respect i don't think the land war part is as likely as that part is i think that's what's going to happen and and that's where it's going to matter to all of us but dean i appreciate the call some interesting thoughts on this yesterday um a lady called our show uh, and told a horrific story about the death of her 18-year-old son in a head-on collision uh, with a car that was on the road with a phony paper tag or paper plate. Um, you and I, when we see these, we presume these are just people that recently bought a car, new or used, and are 
waiting for the permanent plates. There is a huge uh, business operating here uh, on many different levels. Um, it is something that has frustrated people in law enforcement uh, for many years. Our next guest has been working on it for many years. This is not new to him. Her call may have made it new to you and me, but it's not new to him. Um, he is a law enforcement veteran, works with a uh, agency in Central Texas. We're not going to say the name of it, but David is his name, and he's on our KTSA, Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Um, this is a big problem, uh, sir, and it and it's one that, you know, again, when we see them on the road, we just presume that's somebody that just, you know, got a new vehicle. Oh, you are very correct. That that is the that is the presumption when you see a buyer's tag on a vehicle. Uh, we all presume that you bought it from a legitimate dealer, and you're waiting for your 60 days for the dealer to transfer title, and you get your registration and your hard plates, and everybody presses on. Right, that's not the case. Now, it it sounds to me from the reading I've done that there are many different forms this takes. That there are actual dealers that may be you know trafficking in phony plates there may be phony dealers people that register with the state as dealers but really are just paper plate factories and then are people also just maybe making these things like on a computer printer um it's d all the above yeah um you have le- you have legitimate used car dealers that are out there manipulating the system that either put fraudulent VIN numbers in the buyer's tag to avoid a salvage title vehicle. That's been, that's been identified. You have fraudulent people who obtain identifications, either driver's license or IDs, to upload them in the DMV web dealer system to apply for a GDN application that are stolen, that are not vetted, that are not verified. And then you have uh, what we're dealing with now, and we're seeing a big trend on, is a buyer's tag that you look at and it looks legitimate, but they have, but criminals have been able to manipulate uh, the PDF format of the tag and just put whatever they want to in there, and mm-hmm. it, and they're they're on cars and they're driving down the road. It it looks like, with all due respect, it looks like it would be very easy to do. Why is this system so primitive in the year twenty twenty two? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, law enforcement has been having meetings and conversations uh, with the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles for over two and a half years to identify fraudulent activity, not only within the DMV web dealer system, but just fraudulent tags, uh, period. And one of the conversations that uh, we had with DMV in December of 2019 um was the uh, manipulation, the easy manipulation of the tags. And DMV had already talked about in December of 19 of reformatting the tags uh, to make it more um, difficult for fraudulent activity. And we're still here. Yeah, I mean... I, I know that this is not something you could control, but if if if, I, if we said tomorrow you're in charge of this problem, you, you you fix it, wouldn't the fix have to include, among other things, some kind of plate that was made in a secure or hard to counterfeit way? I mean, this is what we do with our money, right? We make we make hundred dollar bills with all these tricks in it, so that it's not something you can run off on a copier. 
w- would you have to do something like that with temporary plates? That is that is correct. Uh, and in fact, uh, December of 2019, uh, Jeremiah Kuntz, who was the director of vehicle vehicle titles and registration, was already making reference to DMV changing the formatting of the paper tags that we currently see on the road right now. That flaw and that vulnerability and the manipulation of the tag system was identified in May of 2018. Mm -hmm. And this is now February of 2022, and that system has not changed. Um, Senator Paul Bettencourt from Harris County has already um, expressed interest in scrapping and redoing the paper tags. The Texas, um, the Texas Comptroller, uh, correction, the Texas County Assessor Collectors Association has already sent a memo to DMV um, expressing interest in scrapping the current tag system that we have, and yet we're still here. Yeah. Now, what can law enforcement do in the meantime? I was reading about these, you know, sting operations or these one-day deals where they'll go and they'll they'll concentrate on an area for a day and see how many of these they can catch up in the net, uh, which, you know, takes a few of them off the board, but obviously isn't going to solve the problem, right? That is correct. You know, it's, it's not going to solve the problem. It helps put a dent in the problem. But what law enforcement faces and the challenges that law enforcement faces is the ju- the judicial enforcement of paper tag violations. And that's where we have an issue um, with criminal prosecution, not understanding and fully um, appreciating what this big problem is. And it's called paper tag nation. Well, what happens to a person, let's say you pull me over, uh, maybe because you spot the tag or maybe for some other reason, but you pull me over and my tag is, is phony. What am I looking at? Uh, you could be looking at a Class C misdemeanor citation for unauthorized use of a temp tag, or you could be looking at a Class A misdemeanor uh, for tampering with government records. All right. And what, what what is the penalty, or what are the penalties for those things? So a Class C misdemeanor is punishable up to a $500 fine. There's no, there's no jail time in that. And a Class A misdemeanor could be punishable up to a $4,000 fine and a year in jail. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that the people doing this do not expect to be caught. This is not there's not a, a high risk to them. No, the people that are doing this, there's not a whole there's not a high risk to them uh, because a lot of the times that the identification of the people that are doing it is very hard to find. The sad part is is the people who are buying these tags off of Facebook, Marketplace, WhatsApp, WhatsApp whatever the social media platform is that are advertising the sale of Texas tags, those people are being victimized and they don't know it yet. And why do you say that? Well, because if, if I, if I go on Facebook marketplace or if I go on Facebook or if I go on whatever social media platform and I can't register my car, I can't get my car inspected. Um, but I need a tag to put on my car, I think it's legit. And so I go pay $35, $100, or if you want to go to New York and New Jersey, 
Texas buyer's tags go anywhere from two to $300 a tag. And I think that I'm being legit in driving down the, driving down the road when, in fact, I'm not legit, but I've, but I've been taken advantage of. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you think some of the people that are buying them online think that that is a legitimate tag. I, I can't imagine why they would, but you, some of them do. Is that right? Correct. I mean, I would just, I, I, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm a goody two shoes, but I would think, no, I got to go to a state agency for this. I got to go to the state for this, or I got to go to a, a legitimate dealer for this. I can't buy this on Facebook. I wouldn't, I, I'm amazed people well, are doing that. Well, when you, when you buy a vehicle, um, you buy a vehicle from a, a legitimate franchise dealer or a used car dealer and you get a buyer's tag. That is legit. Or you go to the, uh, the tax office and you get a 30-day permit which is about $29 and that's legit mm-hmm. but seeing tags advertised on the internet as mm-hmm. being legit those are those are legitimate and a lot of okay. people don't know and they're okay. being taken advantage of yeah where do people need to take their their uh, and put their pressure do they need to, I mean is the legislature already done what it needs to do is it is it the is it the DMV where where do people need to to focus their efforts on this well that answer is D all the above uh, you need to, every time you have a complaint or you have a you have a question or some kind of concern with regarding a tag or a an automobile dealership you file a complaint with the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles but there is still a lot of work to be done with the legislature to enact another, a bunch of other changes that will help consumers and that will help law enforcement to start weeding this out and start putting a bigger dent into this paper tag nation. All right. Well, we're going to be following up on this some more um, in the days ahead. I hope I can call on you again. I would love to do that, and I appreciate you're making time for us today on this. This is opening a lot of people's eyes, David, and I appreciate your, your time on this, and be safe out there. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate your time in putting this out there. And again, if there's an advertisement out there that adds paper tags as legitimate on the Internet, none of them are legitimate. Very good. Words to live by. David, thank you very much. Uh, and I want to just be, be clear, um, after the uh, lady called our show yesterday and we were looking into this, um, uh, we found David, and, and uh, David has spoken on this issue many times before. He's obviously not speaking in any official capacity for the agency he represents. That's why we're not, we're not saying its name. I know its name. I know who he is, and I know what agency he works for. But obviously he, he is speaking out on this because he sees it, He's concerned about it. I think we all should be. Um, I know anecdotally, and I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to judge anybody or anything, but you know, you do see cars that really don't look like somebody just bought it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it, they're really old. They're in terrible condition. It's hard to believe somebody just took delivery of that, and yet they got the paper tag on there. It does make you wonder. The mom who called and had lost her son in the accident, that was a very memorable, uh, made a deep impression on a lot of people. Had some email about that last night. Yesterday we had uh, Don Huffines on the show, one of the Republicans running against Greg Abbott. Um, our producer told me um, our listeners really like Don Huffines. You, you need to be nice to him, you, need to, you know, because he's they, our listeners really, really dig him. Um, but that's not how I do this. 
to me, this is about, hey, we're giving you the opportunity, but I'm not here to be nice to you. I'm going to ask questions. Um, I, I think I was nice to him, but I wasn't nice to him because I wanted to make him happy or make you happy. But I think it was polite. I think it was a polite conversation. I, I don't know how he felt about it, but I thought it, it was polite. We certainly gave him more time than we've given any other candidate in this cycle. It was the longest segment that we've done. Uh, and I said in advance, I want to get behind this whole idea of w- what does it mean to be a good Republican or an actual Republican? Because that's one of the, you know, legs of the stool of his, of his campaign. Well, um, we had some call, we, and then we opened up the phones after we talked to him. And we had some calls that were talking about and reacting to him. And then late last night, several hours after the show was over, I start getting these emails. In fact, I actually saw them this morning. I didn't even see them last night. They were so late. Uh, and this is where the Don Huffines people were furious. You were so rude. You are such a liberal. You're the problem. You're a rhino. All of this. Now, I can take it, and I'm okay with that. I mean, to be honest with you, most of the time when we interview a politician on this show, most of the time, the supporters of that politician think that we've been rude to him that's kind of i'm kind of used to that it's okay it's all right it just it all that tells me is a lot of other media are too polite too kind too soft and fuzzy so okay but what i thought was so weird was a why did the huffine supporters not call in when they heard the interview why'd they wait till midnight And then the other part of it that, again, just seems weird to me, and again, I'm not complaining. I can take it. I put my opinions out there. I I fully expect to get blowback. But if if you're a conservative and you think I'm the problem or you think I'm your enemy, I think you're fighting too many battles. You know what I mean? Uh, Granted, we may not agree on everything. I'm sure we don't. Um, But Jack Riccardi and this show is not your enemy, is not your problem. We're giving your ideas one of the best airings and platforms they get anywhere. I I say that with pride. I'm not bragging. I think it's true. I think conservative ideas and the people who have them uh, come here on this show. They get a lot of time. They get good engagement. They get to talk to a, a very large South and Central Texas audience who are uh, made up of, of smart thinking people. Uh, I think it's all, I think it's good. I think that people like Don Huffine should come on this show a lot. Um, but they should expect to get questions and they should expect to get engaged. And if other hosts throw bunny rabbits and underhand pitches at them, well, that's what they want to do. That's, that's their show. But on this show, this is what we do. And this is why a lot of politicians won't come on. So I give Mr. Huffine's credit. He came on. He's come on twice with me now. Um, I don't think we, I don't think we did anything to him that was untoward. Um, and again, I had a reason for going into that whole line of questioning, which I think is legit. It's on his billboards. It's on his website. It's in his advertising. I didn't make it up. Uh, but I, I ultimately, uh, I guess I would just say to the Huffine supporters, I respect you. I don't know who I'm going to vote for, by the way. I may vote for your guy. I haven't decided yet. But, you know, call in. Let's talk on the air. Don't wait till one o'clock in the morning and then send me this this angry, fuming email. There's no point to that. What's the, you're wasting your time. You're wasting everybody's time. Uh, when we have these co- 
people on, and we're going to have more of them. We're working on getting Alan West back on again. This week we had some of the AG candidates. For, we had one of the Bear County judge candidates. Uh, but whenever we have them on, there'll always be a segment where you can then call in and say, hey, I didn't like when he said that, or I didn't like the way you asked that question, or I don't think you understood the answer. I mean, we can do that, and we will. We'll do it in real time. 210-599-5555. So I want to play you this. This is a uh, a man named Brian Echeverria. He went to his school board meeting in North Carolina uh, Monday night, and um, he made some remarks that I thought were incredible about critical race theory and came at it from an interesting point of view. By the way, he's uh, a candidate running for a state rep seat in North Carolina. And if he is the future of conservatives and Republicans, uh, we're going to be in very good shape. But listen, listen to what he says to his local school board as a dad on Monday night. Thank you for your service. Obviously, you guys give of yourselves to, to do what you're doing. The community, I think we recognize that now that the political juice has been sucked out of the mask distraction, that we have to move forward. And one of the things I wanted to thank you for tonight was the resolution, the non-discrimination resolution, the CRT deal, because it's, it's happening. And as a parent, I speak to other parents, there's a few things that we don't want. I'm biracial. I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan-colored kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. And I think that's the same for every parent. What the mask showed us is that the parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local school board because CRT, all of that, the parents don't want it. It's a big, fat lie. There's not one if there If you believe in CRT, I want to tell you you're a liar because that means you look at your black neighbor and say that they're oppressed, and you look at your white neighbor and say that they're evil regardless of the experience that you've had with them. And we're not going to do that. The parents in the United States of America, right here in North Carolina and Cabarrus County, we know that's not true because we believe the lives we live. The fact is, I've been a business owner right here in North Carolina, and I deal with white people, black people, Hispanic people. My children deal with everybody. And the racism is only happening at the government level and on the media. The fact is, you have racists, and there's like, you can't even find them hardly. You just hear the stories about them. But this is, this is what we're dealing with. The parents are taking the wheel. I have an eight-year-old daughter who is absolutely dynamic, who can do anything, athletically, intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally. She is a dynamo. And I don't want a man swimming against her in the pool. The fact is, I don't want her playing against boys in soccer. I don't even let my sons rough her up. Do you think I'm going to let your son rough her up? This is what we're talking about policy going back to the parents because if you think people who love america are willing to fight for it you haven't met parents yet because i'm telling you parents will go further down any street than anyone who loves their country alone my name is brian echeverria i thank you for your service and we're taking back the wheel thank you for being here. all right we're taking back the wheel i love that love it
We're going to talk about it. The fact is, I've been a business owner right here in North Carolina, and I deal with white people, black people, Hispanic people. My children deal with everybody. And the racism is only happening at the government level and on the media. The fact is, you have racists, and there's like, you can't even find them hardly. You just hear the stories about them. Brian Echeverria, running for state rep in North Carolina and speaking as a parent at his school board meeting this past Monday night. We're taking the wheel. That's a brilliant, simple way of describing parents rising up, crossing party lines, ideological lines, every racial lines, every kind of line. Um, and I hope that I hope it continues. I hope this is a genie that they cannot put back in the bottle. And what's so different about this is everything I've ever talked about and, and commented on and observed in all the hundreds of years that I've been doing this show, it's always been, we've always talked about political movements or waves that someone or something had to start. But being a parent and defending your kids didn't doesn't have a starting point you know it doesn't have a it doesn't have a, a an instigator or a person that led it or an organization that's funding it i mean you could say that the catalyst was the the staying home and kids doing school from home and parents getting a glimpse of it and that was a big part of it but yeah this this parent movement this parent revolution we're taking the wheel uh do you remember um if you're a sports fan, I know you've seen her over the years. Michelle Tafoya was a longtime NBC Sports reporter and really one of the best at what she does. She reported from the sidelines of the most recent Super Bowl. She's done NFL games and other sporting events. She's worked at NBC for a long time. Recently, we learned that she was leaving NBC Sports, and there was some speculation about why she was leaving and, and even some speculation that perhaps NBC was pushing her out in favor of younger uh, women in that role, because that is happening at other networks. Well, Michelle Tafoya went on the Tucker Carlson show on Fox News Channel last night to reveal the real reason she's leaving NBC. And it is, as Brian just put it, she's taking the wheel. I want to play you some of the conversation with Tucker Carlson from last night. Here's NBC sports reporter, now retired, Michelle Tafoya. Listen to her explain why she is leaving her job. I've been waking up every day with a palpable pull at my gut that my side, my view, my my middle ground kind of moderate viewpoint is not being represented to the rest of the world, I didn't feel. And, um, And so rather than, you know, just banging it out on Twitter or Instagram every day, I thought, I've got to do something. I have benefited greatly from the American dream, and I feel like, for the sake of my kids, and because I so love this country, I've got to start giving back. Boy, that is the best possible reason. So, people who watch sports, of course, know you and have for many years. You went on The View recently, which is a slightly different venue, for you, we have just a short clip, and I want to ask if this had some role in your decision. Here it is. 
My kids in school, there is a big, big focus on the color of your skin. How and old my are children, your children? My children are now uh, 16 and 13. Okay, in what it's, way? It's been going on since they were in lower school, mm -hmm. all right? And it is that there are affinity groups on campus for... Mm -hmm. my, my, my son's first best friend was a little African-American boy. They were in separable. Mm -hmm. Get to a certain age, they start having what's called an affinity group, which means you go for lunch and pizza with people who look like you. Suddenly, my son wasn't hanging out with him anymore. Why are we even teaching that the color of the skin matters? Because to me, what matters is your character and your values. Yes, but you know, you live in the United States. You know that color of skin has been mattering to people. Can't for, we for change years. it that it well, doesn't? We, we need white people to step up and do that. But I think that we, they've been doing that since the Civil War. And no, I'm not saying no, it's no, no, they, they haven't. Wow, that was such a... A, such a moderate thing to say, such a sensible thing to say, um, and yet it seemed like such a controversial thing. I thought that was really brave that you said that. What did you think of the reaction? I'm just astonished that we're, we're so looking in the rearview mirror and not absorbing the progress yes. that we've made in this country and building on it and recognizing it. Um, I, you know, uh, I don't think a person like Whoopi Goldberg would have had that role 50 years ago. She right. has that now. I mean, that uh, I, I, we, you and I know, Tucker, we could come up with a million examples. And it breaks my heart that my kids are being taught that skin color matters. And to me, if you want white people to step up, I was stepping up when I addressed the school and said, exactly. why are we having these picnics for families of color? Why are we separating our kids? It, the world is integrated. Let's continue that and, and, and have everyone find out what we all have in common, not just what we have in common with people who look like us. Welcome to the battle, Michelle Tafoya. How about that? I love it, first of all, because she's articulate, smart. A lot of people know who she is. Um, whatever she decides to do, I don't, I don't exactly know, to be honest. Uh, podcast. Uh, maybe radio, maybe writing, maybe speaking out, uh, is a great thing. It's great to have her in the battle. But, you know, I also wonder, again, I don't know her, so this is guessing on my part, and I'm not saying she doesn't truly believe everything she said, because she clearly does, and she's walking away from a lot of money. But I take heart in the fact that she thinks this is a battle worth joining. If we were a bunch of losers that that had no chance of of, of prevailing, I, I wonder if people like her would join us. But because I think we have momentum and more and more people are speaking out and stepping forward, you see how that works? The more of us that give voice to this, the more people that have been only thinking it now say, hey, I can speak too. I can say it out loud too. It, it, it has a wonderful circular or cyclical effect. Um, so I'm glad... I, I really believe every time we play one of these school board, you know, moments, I really believe those are feeding on each other, and those are emboldening. Somebody hears Brian Echeverria, and they go, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up next week when I go to the meeting in my district, in my school. And then when when Michelle Tafoya says, you know what? I, I'm not gonna hold it in anymore and be a good little NBC sports employee. I'm gonna say what I think because before anything else, I'm a mother. That tells me. Uh, the momentum, the energy is on our side. And that's why we don't have to be bitter and we don't have to be angry 
and we don't have to hate on each other, and we can accept people when we say we're taking the wheel. We can have people uh, join us in that, even if they disagree with us on other things. Okay, so we want them. Uh, um, we've had uh, Azra Damani on this show many times before. She's a very outspoken mom in Virginia. She's a liberal Democrat. Um, we probably disagree on other things, but we agree about critical race theory. We agree about not dumbing down our schools and teaching excellence and rewarding excellence in the schools. And um, let's have the attitude that anyone who wants to come and join us and take the wheel, as Brian put it, we want them. And welcome, Michelle Tafoya. Uh, and tell me what you think about hearing that. 210-599-5555. Now, the other part, I mean, what can you say about The View and Whoopi Goldberg that hasn't already been said? But I, I have to admit, when I heard this clip the first time, and I'm hearing it now for about the fourth or fifth time, when I heard Whoopi Goldberg say to Michelle Tafoya, white people need to... What does she say? White people need to stand up or white people need to. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? After two years of BLM and Lord knows how many years of education departments at universities brainwashing and propagandizing the people who then become classroom teachers, you're telling me, and, and after a civil rights movement, that robustly included and prominently included white men and women and children, those college students who went down to Mississippi and got burned alive in their car. You're telling me that the reason we have a problem with race in America is because white people haven't stood up? I mean, Whoopi, you had two weeks of rest. I would hope you've come up with some new talking points while you were on your your mini vacation, your suspension, or whatever it is. James is calling in about the Michelle Tafoya interview on KTSA. James, good evening to you. Hello? James, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, I agree with Michelle. Um, she's a big girl. She um, realizes we have to grow up. And we're all talking about this, that, and the other, and it's about nationality. Everybody has a nationality, and all of this would stop if we would just respect each other's nationality, just like everybody has a last name. So that's the problem. It's simple as that. But if we don't grow up, we're going to keep on agitating and fighting with each other. It's like little children, and that's very disrespectful to each other, to all of the international families around the world. And we just got to grow up and quit this nonsense. We only have one mm -hmm. planet to live on. Mm -hmm. We only have one race of people. There ain't no white people. There ain't no black people. That's a status I was mentioning last time I was on the air. But if you guys want to just keep pushing the fake narrative and playing like children, we're never going to grow up. We're never going to get anywhere. Well, what, what fake narrative do you think I'm pushing? What what fake narrative do you think I'm pushing, James? Well, not you. I'm saying just every time. Okay, I'm a little. I'm, I, hold hold on, hold on. I'm a little. I'm a little confused here. I I I played this piece, and just so folks that didn't hear it, so they'll understand where we're coming from here, so they'll know why you and I are talking. This this woman who is a mother and a, a sports reporter says, "Look, I I got a 
I got to walk away from what I'm doing because it's time to speak out about the way we're teaching race and teaching kids to be hyper aware of race and dividing kids about race. And I think the point I was making was I don't think we have a problem. I think people are trying to make a problem. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Well, I agree exactly what you're saying. It's just it's been a problem the whole time because we're acting like children. Nobody wants to acknowledge that we have a national. Well, who's who's acting everybody like who's acting like? Claim, sh- everybody okay. wants to claim to be okay. something they're they're not, and we're not in that age and that energy anymore. We we're twenty two years into the uh, year twenty twenty. 22, year 2022, which is the age of Aquarius, and if people start understanding, we got to cut this out and start helping each other okay. and All educating, right. educating each other on what's really going on. So what's really All going right. on is nationality. Well, here we go, Friday night, and that always means the last hour of the last show of the week on our show, The Dish it's where we take your calls to talk about your most recent restaurant experience. We've been doing this for many, many years now. I want to say 20-plus years. Uh, it was mostly Fridays. For a while, we did it on Thursday uh, Thursday nights. But in any event, um, it's where we uh, give you a chance not to do a restaurant review, but just to kind of, you know, share an experience like you would tell a coworker or a friend or you would maybe come home and say, hey, we tried a new place today for lunch. I want to take you there for dinner some night. And it's about any kind of restaurant anywhere in San Antonio or around. So Hill Country, Bernie, Austin, the 35 corridor, any any place, uh, any kind of food, any kind of price, any kind of restaurant, breakfast, lunch or dinner. It may be that you dined in. It may be that you got it delivered or had it to go. Uh, but you can talk about the food, you can talk about the price, you can talk about the service, you can praise, or you can zing. It really is the biggest cluster. Okay. Cluck. Easy. Thank you for oh saying that, God. buddy. Uh, you can praise or zing any restaurant experience in and around San Antonio right now on the dish. 210 599 5555. And let me be the first to welcome you to the age of Aquarius, also. It's important that we do that. Um, 210 599 5555. By the way, there was, uh, I saw today that they have done the, I guess, the soft opening for the, uh, there's a, there's a new sushi restaurant in the Alamo Quarry area. It's Alamo, actually the, uh, Quarry Marketplace, which is that, shopping center across Bassey Road from Alamo Quarry. But there's a new sushi place that where the gimmick it's called Kura. And I've been to places like this, but I haven't been to this one yet. The gimmick is when you go in, there's a conveyor belt that snakes its way through the restaurant. So it goes by all of the tables. Wherever you would sit in the restaurant, this conveyor belt runs past you and it carries sushi in these little containers. And as you see something you want, you just pull the thing off the belt, and uh, then they, you know, they charge you. Um, some places charge. I don't know how this one does it, but some places charge you a flat price, and some places count the number of dishes that you help yourself to. So it's kind of like the old buffet or automat concept, only with a conveyor belt, so you don't get up and go back. The the food comes to you. 
And this has become very popular. There's one in San Marcos. There's a couple of them in Austin. And now there's one uh, in the Quarry area. If anyone's tried it yet or if you've been to the other ones, what do you think of that? I'm not a huge sushi guy, i got to be honest. I, I'll eat it. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but I, 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 think there, I think that's a pretty cool idea. I think it's a fun thing to do if there's like four or more people. Because then you're kind of talking and you're not really focused on the food. And it's kind of like having dim sum, if you do it, if you think of it that way. It's kind of like the dim sum of, of sushi. And usually they're small servings. Like most places you order sushi, you're ordering a whole roll. So you're getting a lot of food and you're going to like it. But with this, you can try just a few pieces of different rolls and, 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 and varieties. And again, it's called Kura. And they're having their soft opening at Alamo Quarry Marketplace. All right, 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish on a Friday night. Phone lines are wide open for you to do that. And we'll start with Kirk on KTSA. Kirk, happy Friday to you. Hey, happy Friday to you. Uh, Thank you, sir. The Bourbon Street over at, uh, what is it, Redland in 1604 North? Yeah, yeah. We ate there the other night. I hadn't been there in, I bet, the two or three years, you know. Man, was it good. I'll tell you what. I, I, I had the little combo gumbo and, uh, a, 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 like, a mixed seafood dish. My wife had the shrimp with the linguine. My son had shrimp. And, I mean, it was all just and so much food. I'm telling you, we all ate. And my son and I, I kid you not, have been eating on that for two days. Wow. <laughs> That's great. But the flavor was so, you know, it's a little bit spicy. You know, I, I like really spicy, spicy, but it's spicy enough where you get the heat, but you don't get like, uh, you know, wow, oh, I, I can't eat that. It's just they really do a good job. I'm always amazed. But it was, the price was nice, you know. Yeah, anywhere, you know, 18, 22, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for what you got, it, it's just excellent. And you get those little warm baguettes, you know, they bring you up. Mm, yes. It was all good. It was. Yeah. It was very nice. You know, it's funny you say that you hadn't been there. You said you hadn't been there in a few years, and I, I, I'm just realizing I haven't been there in a few years either. I drive by it all the time, and uh, oh, kind of like out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah, time to visit again, because I'm telling you, the food is just excellent. It really was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a great place. I'm from South Louisiana, you know. I've been here 22 years, but still, you know, I have a bit of an accent. So, well, I'll tell you what, if, you, if you're giving it the Louisiana vote of confidence, that's even, that's even better. That's even stronger yeah. praise. Kirk, thank you, sir. Thank you for the call tonight. Praise for Bourbon Street Kitchen and Cafe, 1604 and Redland. It's inside 1604 on uh, Redland Road, right on the corner. We've been getting calls. I'm looking here right at the record. 14 years. Uh, tons of calls about Bourbon Street. Um, I know they have other locations. Almost all of our callers are about the Redland location. Almost all of them are praised. Last call was uh, 2019. 210-599-5555. Praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. You hate to make a joke because I'm sure this is not any fun for the people involved. But have you heard this story tonight about the... There is a massive container ship on fire in the Atlantic Ocean. And they've abandoned it. The crew has abandoned it. It's called the um, Felicity Ace. And this ship was carrying hundreds of cars. 
And not just any cars. It was carrying Porsches and Bentleys and Lamborghinis and BMWs and other less expensive cars, too, like Volkswagens. Hundreds of cars. And so the, the ship caught fire. They um, abandoned ship. They were able, with a helicopter and some Portuguese Navy vessels, to get everybody off safely. Not a lot of people on those ships. You know, it's pretty much a skeleton crew. But they got them off. Uh, but there is no word on uh, what uh, is going to become of the cars. And different car companies, Bentley, Lamborghini, others are are saying, "Well, we're looking into it, and we're we'll you know." We'll see what we can find out. There's already a guy on uh, one of the auto blogs that I read who had uh, taken, uh, had ordered a Porsche and <laughs> had been notified by his dealer here in the States that his Porsche is on that ship. So, see, you think you have problems? What if your Porsche was on fire in the middle of the Atlantic? See? See how it could be? Uh, 210-599-5555. We're going to get to the results on the JR poll before the end of this hour. We're taking your calls right now on the dish. Call in right now to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Jesse's doing that right now. Hi, Jesse. How are you, sir? Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm all right. I uh, wanted to share an experience I've had. Uh, recently, I went to a place that I hadn't been to in a while. Uh, it's called Mina and Dimi's over on Highway 90 and uh, Military, I believe, over by Lackland Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great experience. Uh, I've been to John the Greek as well. had great food there as well, but uh, this one's a little bit closer. I uh, had a, a wonderful uh, uh, pork Slovakia, I think it was called, sandwich on pita bread and they have these amazing feta fries that were just to die for. And then the, to top it off, the final portion of our meal was a piece of baklava cheesecake, which was off the charts. Wow. And what, what I hear is they have a all-you-can-eat buffet on Friday. Um, so I'm going to have to call in to work sick one day on Friday and <laughs> make my way out there. So it was I like that. It was that I, like a man, I like a man who will call in sick. <laughs> to go to a restaurant. You're my you're my kind of guy, Jesse. Now I gotta ask you, you said something about feta fries. What are feta fries? It was it was some crispy French fries with some kind of uh dressing on top of them and they then they were sprinkled with feta cheese and the mixture, the combination of it was just amazing. It, it was wow. absolutely delicious. N- never that had those before. Good. And when I went, I went with my girlfriend, and we decided to, to share our plate. I'm a little disappointed that we did. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'll go back, and uh, maybe on the day when they have the all-you-can-eat, I can I can get some more stuff. But it was a great experience. Uh, I, I love trying new uh, – this wasn't a new place for me, but I hadn't been there in, in a long yeah. time. And yeah. we just saw it and said, hey, let's stop here. I haven't been here in a while, and it was a great experience. It's a little I think it's been around a long – I think it's been around a long time, hasn't it? Because we've been getting calls on it for years. It has. I, I'm a San Antonio na- native. I grew up in this area, and I remember going there probably, it's been at least 20 years since I've been there, kid you not, yeah. and it was yeah. still delicious. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to frequent them a little more often, but it was a great experience. If anyone's in the neighborhood, I would definitely give them a try. All right, th- let me know the day you're going to take the day off. All right, we'll sync up our days off, and I'll 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 be there. I, I need to have. I now need feta fries in my life. I now realize I, yeah. that's what I've been missing. You got to find them, and uh, hey, appreciate you and the show. What you guys do, y'all y'all keep keeping it real. 
Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for the call. You have a good weekend. All right, praise for Mina and Demi's Greek House. Mina and Demi's Greek House, which is 7159 Highway 90. 7159 Highway 90. A lot of calls on the dish over the years for this. It's been a while, but I'm glad to hear they're doing well and they're still rocking it over there. 210-599-5555. As we talk restaurants on the dish, you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Um... The Super Bowl, won by the Los Angeles Rams, won by the youngest coach in the NFL, Sean McVay. And there was a story this week about how Sean McVay has dropped some hints that he might retire. He's in his 30s. But there's a thing going on in sports now, if you're not a sports fan. There's a there's a there's been a wave of... Early retirements. Andrew Luck retired as the Colts quarterback before he was even 30. A number of NFL players have walked away in what most people would consider their prime playing years. Uh, I think it's mainly an NFL thing. There's some of it in hockey. So Sean McVay is not announcing he's retiring or anything, but he, he dropped some hints about how he doesn't think people will stay in the sport as long as they used to. You know, you think about guys that coached, let's say, in collegiate or pro ranks for 30 years or 40 years or their whole life or whatever. So they maybe did it from their 30s to their 60s or their 40s to their 70s. And he's saying, I don't think you're going to see that anymore with the kind of money that coaches are getting. And others agree with him. They say, you know, this is, this is becoming such an intense thing where coaches now are so immersed it's like, you know, during the season, they never see their family. They never go home. They, you know, they're so obsessed with the data and the, and the metrics. And, um, and also they're making, you know, some pretty big money. So if they're successful in a short period of time, they're set for life. Their kids are set for life. And so this was the thinking that Sean McVay might hang it up. He's now done the, the biggest thing you can do as a coach, won the Super Bowl. And I just wanted to make a quick observation about this because um, I, I, I don't know Sean McVay. I don't obviously. I, I think he's a great coach. He's obviously been very successful. But one of the reasons guys like this give um, for retiring early is because they want to be there for their kids, or they want to spend more time with their kids. Um, I. It just seems to me that we ought to be able to find a way to do any job and still be a dad. It's kind of disturbing to think that you would have to choose between your job and your kids. I had a dad who took a job close to where we lived for that exact reason. He wanted to get home quickly and be there with us in the evening. He didn't go out after work. He didn't take promotions that would have moved him up the ladder, but also would have moved him 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 minutes further away. He, um, he, he managed to work really hard, provide for us, and be there for us at the same time. And um, I know Sean McVay is not a typical working guy. He's got a job that's not like the jobs you and I have. But let's not start making this an either-or thing. You know, you can be... You can be, I don't know, I, I think the term people use or the, the popular term is work-life balance, but I'm not sure what that means. I just know that you can be a good mom or dad 
and earn and work and figure that out. It's not either or. You know what I mean? So if he's retiring for some other reason, Godspeed to him and all that. But I just, I would hate to think people are are, are treating this as an either or. It, it, it shouldn't be. I don't think it is. What do you think about that? All right, this half hour, we'll have the results on the Stevens Roofing JR poll question and taking your calls on the dish, praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience, and Jack is on the radio. Hey, Jack, happy Friday. Hey, Jack, it's Jack. Happy Friday. Back to you. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> okay. I can hear you fine. Thank you. Awesome. Anyway, Jack, um, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, the Purple Pig Barbecue out there in shirts. Um, I've been there a couple of times. The food is just really decent. It's solid food. It's it's not pretentious. Um, it's, they, they've got barbecue. It's Midwestern style barbecue. Um, it's reasonably priced. They're not using the cheapest ingredients possible. It's just a solid all around uh, place. And I, I just recommend it to anyone if you happen to be in the area. And it's in shirts, you said. Yeah, yeah. It's in shirts. It's uh, just. I think it's just off of uh, FM seventy eight and shirts. Um, okay. it's, it's 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 a really it's a really nice place, and there's like a there's a bar next to it, and uh, you know mm. it's just a really cool place to hang out, have some food, grab a beer if that's your thing, and yeah, you know just take it easy. It, it's 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 really chill. What would be the best thing to get the first time somebody went? What would you recommend they try first? I'm not going to lie to you, Jack. I think their ribs are pretty good. Um, I think you're not going to go wrong. If you just order their ribs, um, you can get three ribs for about 10 bucks, and they have a couple of different types of sauces depending on the taste. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that would be my recommendation for anyone, assuming mm-hmm. you eat you know, ribs. Very good. Yeah. No, hey, I, I definitely do. More than I, more than I should. All right. Very good. I appreciate the call, Jack. Hope you have a good weekend. And that's our first call on the Purple Pig Insurance, 537 Maine. 537 Main in shirts for the Purple Pig Barbecue. 210-599-5555. It's Jack on KTSA. We're taking your calls about restaurants. You can praise or zing any restaurant in and around San Antonio. Recent experience with it. Could be a new place that you just, maybe you went and tried that new sushi place or some new new hamburger place or whatever. Or, or it could be new to you. Or it might just be an old favorite, like people call in and say, I've been going to this place for years. Everybody should know about it. 210-599-5555. It's been a rough week for the pickle. It's been a very tough time for the pickle. Well, the Portland pickle. Do you know about the Portland pickle? The Portland pickles are a minor league baseball team. And Dylan Pickle is their mascot. And recently on a flight uh, from a road game, the uh, pickle uh, the pickle got misplaced. <laughs> that sounds like something that would happen on a Jeffrey Tubin Zoom call, doesn't it? Uh, the pickle got misplaced, and um, they were worried that they had lost the pickle. 
But then the airline found the pickle. It was a duffel bag with the pickle costume in it. But then the mascot, the uh, airline, and they'll do this because I've had this happen when I've lost luggage. The airline, when they find the bag, they'll just bring it and leave it. If you're not there, they'll just leave it. And so they left this big canvas duffel bag with the pickle mascot costume uh, on the front doorstep of the team offices, and then someone stole it. So first it was missing, then it was stolen. This is a tough week for a pickle. Yesterday the team announced that the pickle was found on a city bus and had been dropped off at a voodoo donut location in Portland. None the worse for where the Portland pickle, Dylan T. Pickle, is okay. The team had put out the call. You know, they had basically said, look, we're not, um, we won't ask any questions. You know, you don't have to explain. We just, we just want the pickle back. No questions asked, no strings, and they got the pickle back. So they're very happy. Um, apparently other team mascots around the country were also using their social media to make sure that the word got out about the, so I just, I don't know about you. I feel better. Um, but yeah, that, 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 you know, sometimes you just want it back. You're not interested in the whole criminal justice end of it. Just whatever happened, just bring it back. You know what that just happened? Billy Joe Armstrong, uh, the rock singer, he owns a classic Chevy. And, um, I was just reading this story. I read these, these car blogs, classic car blogs and collectible car blogs. He's the, he's the Green Day guy. And, um, Apparently his car got stolen. I think it was like a 63, I don't know if it was a Chevelle or what it was, some 60s Chevy. And he put out the word, look, I just, I want it back. Um, I don't, I'm not worried about the stuff in it. There were some guitars in it. There was some other stuff. And people, people attacked him on social media and said, you know, you're letting criminals get away. You're going soft on criminals. And he was like, I just want the car. I can replace the other stuff. Yes, I, you know, if they catch the people who did it, fine, but I'm, I'm interested in getting the car back. And I have to say, hate me if you want, but if you're a car guy, you get that. I get that. He just wanted the car back. The car had a lot of meaning for him, sentimentality. You, you, you can't, when people have a classic collectible car, you can't just say, well, get the insurance, get another one. It doesn't work that way. So he got his car back. He didn't get the guitars. And he's okay with that. 210-599-5555. Mike is next on the radio on the dish on KTSA. Hello, Mike. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, my friend. I would ask how you're doing, but I don't want you to, you know, have to check around and do all that stuff. So I'm not going to Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. That's me. That's a good listener. Hey, uh, I want to talk about Marcos. And I, uh, it's kind of a praise and it's kind of a zing. I'll let you be the judge. But okay. uh, I gave blood, and, and they gave me that uh, that uh, that voucher to go get a free Marcos pizza. That was going to be my first time trying it. Okay. And I go, I, I placed the order. I had to place it online, and they made it really easy to do that, user-friendly. But when I walked into the restaurant over there on Sono, worst experience of my life. Um, you know how uh, it's just that little place to pick up a pizza? They have two TVs on. Both of them are on different stations. Both of them are turned up really loud. So that's kind of annoying to begin with. The chaos on the other side of the counter is crazy. Uh, they're all on the phone. 
they just keep putting up their finger to me. And all I want to do is just pick up my pizza, and I got my voucher. And so I got time to watch the the chefs back there that are goofing off like crazy. They're playing with their hair, showing how you can wear your hair different ways when you wear your visor, and then they go make the pizza. (laughs) And I'm like, this is wrong. This isn't really happening. I'm looking around like there's got to be a camera on me. Like Like there's a hidden camera, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I, uh, they uh, said, how can I help you? And I said, I am here to pick up an order. My name is Mike. And they're like, Mike, uh, no, we don't have anything. I'm like, oh, come on. You've got to have it. I placed the order. This is the location. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. hang on. And they went to the back and they turned around. He's like, is this your pizza? Is this what you ordered? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, okay. Um, and you got a voucher for a free one? I said, here it is. And he said, okay, well, uh, thanks for waiting. Thanks for your patience. And I'm, I'm like, I'm never going back there again. And that was just horrible. Wow. But then I took a yeah. bite of the pizza. Best pizza I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I will be going back. <laughs> wow, that is quite a saga. That had a lot of hi- This call had a lot of highs and lows in it, Mike. Uh, so it really did. For, first of all, so I feel like we've lived a week. During this phone call. So, first of all, thank you for giving blood. You're, you're a good person thank to do that. And do you think the voucher, uh, you may have already thought of this, but do you think the voucher had anything to do with their kind of attitude toward you? Or Gosh, I don't want to say that. I, I, I don't believe that would be the case. But if you would have seen these kids goofing off with their hair and flipping you know, yeah. it from one side to the other and, and then going to make a pizza. It, it sounds like they weren't very busy, like business busy. It sounds like they were just passing time. Is that right? No. It was, the manager was training somebody, and oh. so he's farting around while there's a line of people. And I'm like, oh, there was a line. Just accept it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So they really were the busy, TV, and they yeah. just were not paying attention. The TVs were the worst part. Can you yeah. imagine two loud TVs going, <laughs> different channels? It was it was horrible. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Where, is this a place where you can sit and eat, or is it just pick up only? Uh, I think there were two tables, but yeah, yeah. mostly everybody in line was just pick up and go. Then why do they even have TVs? That's a great question. I, I can't imagine anyone sitting there. Right, because you only have you're supposed to have TVs if people are sitting there and watching a game or something. But yeah, you don't need the TVs if it's just pick up to go. Great pizza, great pizza. Though. All right, well, you're fair to say that. I think that's I think that's very decent of you to say that. And uh, I guess you just have to know when you go there next time, just take a deep breath and be ready for anything. Right, and and open up the wallet. And open up the wallet. All right, because you won't have the voucher next time. That's right. Mike, I enjoyed it. Thank you for the call, sir. Praise and zing. Can we do that? It really is the biggest cluster. Okay. Cluck. Easy. Thank you for oh saying that, God. buddy. And that's Marco's Pizza, corner of Stone Oak and Evans, right on the corner. Uh, we had a call about uh, this place, uh, I guess it was last year. And the caller was praising the calzones. We had a zing of the Marcos on Petranco uh, in October of last year. And now we have a praise and a zing for Marcos Pizza. It's a chain. They have a lot of locations. Thank God it's... 
I can wear the mask on my head if you want. I mean, it's just you can wear your mask on your balls. Okay. Enough. 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 Oh, have you got your mask on down there? Don't check. All right. Are you done? I'm done. I have no more uh, masks to give. On the uh, JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, the question was, uh, do you ever bet on sports? I didn't ask this question very well because I realized as the day went on that people thought that only meant like, you know, betting on football games and stuff like that. But as I explained to somebody on Facebook, and then he was like, oh, yeah, I do bet. It, it would include any kind of sport. So if you've ever, like, gone to Britama and put money on a horse, that's that's betting on sports, right? Uh, 93%, pretty high, say, no, no, I don't bet on sports. 7% said yes. They're, apparently they're doing a lot of betting. I read where this, this Super Bowl was the most bet on the most bet-on sporting event yet because there's so many more ways to do it. and There's more online betting. It's legal in more places, more things. Anyway, so not a maybe not properly worded on that poll question. You know, it was a year ago yesterday that um, Rush Limbaugh passed away. And um, I was thinking about that today because he was such a huge part of this business, and this business is has been my life, so he's really been a huge part of my life. And I was thinking of all the things you could say about Rush Limbaugh and all the ways you could remember him a year later. Um, I think the, the thing that sticks out for me right now was the joy and the fearlessness uh, of expressing himself. Do not be cheerless in your conservatism. Be cheerful and do not be fearful be fearless. So cheerful, fearless. That was Rush. We need to keep that in mind. I hope you have a wonderful, beautiful, relaxing weekend. See you back here Monday at 4.